Hi everybody, the Complex PTSD guy here. I'll start out by saying I'm not a doctor or psychiatrist, I'm just a guy living with complex PTSD, and I'm sharing my own ideas, experiences, and opinions on this podcast. So this episode relates to the last two I did, um, which goes into a, avoidant behaviors or avoidant attachment styles, and some people might actually be diagnosed with avoidant personality disorder. Um, I've never been diagnosed with that, but this all kind of goes together. And one of these, the key symptoms of complex PTSD is avoidant behaviors. Um, and I've definitely struggled with that. And this all stemmed out of a conversation I had yesterday with my counselor who I discuss, um, my complex PTSD with her. I discuss everything, substance use, all these different things, um, but I had told her about my Thanksgiving trip and how I had ha- I had had these things set up in my mind for these worst case scenarios, which I thought would happen. I thought like these very uncomfortable things were going to pop up and they didn't. But the point is I was being cr- self-critical. I was being highly critical and thinking the worst was coming my way. And I, I kind of played a role in part of it. Um, and so... When none of that was brought up and nothing uncomfortable happened, you know, my my trip was really nice. My Thanksgiving trip ended up just being really nice. And I told her that and my counselor said, I tend to be very hard on myself, kind of. um, I tend to think the worst is what we were saying. And so anyway, I ended up looking up where this falls under in regards to complex PTSD because I was very curious, why do I do this so much? And that self-criticism and um, that kind of being hard on yourself falls under avoidant attachment styles. Because if you are thinking the worst, you're going to want to avoid, right? So if you, like, let's say there's some type of a conflict between you and your intimate partner, you're going to think maybe they're going to reject you. You're going to think worst case scenario is going to come out of this. So you avoid it. Um, Or... Let's say you feel you're becoming dependent on your partner, which is how I felt when I was 20. I ended the relationship. Like I went immediately to worst case scenario. This will never work. I'll get lost in my mind. Um, I have to get away from this. I avoided. I I ended the relationship, right? I fled. Um, So that's what I'm getting at here. But I wanted to kind of jump into this because I didn't realize that that self-criticism goes into the avoidant um, attachment style. I just never saw that. It never clicked with me because I've definitely discussed self-criticism on here where I beat myself up a lot and I have to remind myself to forgive myself. I've talked about that a lot on this podcast. Um, And I just never knew that that avoidant behavior is part of that. And avoidant behaviors is a symptom of complex PTSD. So now that I've said all that, and again, this episode relates to the last two, I'm going to read you some tools I found on when I Googled all of this. I Googled all these different things kind of combined, and I found something under, I guess, the website or the link or whatever is psychotherapy.central, and someone named Jennifer Nurick, N-U-R-I-C-K. Some of what she wrote here, some of what I'm going to be reading, other things are coming from different places here. Um, But I just wanted to give her credit for some of these lists of tools. I'm not reading everything she had on her 
this little page that I found. Um, and it was sort of like little pop-ups that I saw in different places, but it seemed like it was all connected to what she had written. Um, so some tools for you, if you are an avoidant attachment style type person. So number one, or one of them, again, I'm not reading all of them, be compassionate with yourself. So just like I said, forgive yourself, um, be compassionate with yourself. Another one is start to become aware of the parts of you that you had to close down. Okay. So like, is there some part of you that you've shut down? Maybe it was something you really liked and maybe you think you'll be judged for it. So let's say you're really into being a ballerina and you shut it down because you don't think that you think you'll be rejected because you want to be a ballerina or you used to be a ballerina or you secretly are a ballerina or you're a clown, you know, or you're, I don't know, you have some kind of a hobby and you don't want to be judged for it. You know, something, you know, that just, just one little example. Another one, practice identifying your needs and sharing them. You definitely want to know your needs before you start dating somebody, in my opinion. Um, and know like that you need your certain amounts of space. So that's a big part of all of this is avoidant people need space and they need time alone. Um, so a good thing for us would be like for me would be a den or a man cave, whatever you want to call it. Um, a reading room, you know, have a little library in your home. Some space where you can go. Um, and just be alone. That's one thing I like about, I mean, I live alone, but I really like living by the park because I walk almost every day. I try to walk every day and that's a place to find solitude, you know? Um, but another thing it says to kind of take baby steps into finding intimacy. And I wasn't quite sure exactly what they specifically meant by that, but I'll just leave that for what it is. One that I really found relatable, learn to deeply listen to your partner's experiences. Um, so I have a tendency, and I'll just give an example. This isn't related to a partner. This is just somebody I know. And it happened yesterday. Um, they had told me I hadn't seen them in probably a year. And I had no idea that them and their spouse, um, that they and their spouse we're even thinking of adopting a baby. And while we were driving around, um, they told me that they had a, a five month old baby. And I was like, you do. And my for, first response, I think was something like, well, that's cool. You know, and really my response should have been, well, congratulations, you know. Um, but it was just kind of like, you know, I needed to deeply listen to what that person's experience was because it's a baby like they didn't just go out and buy a new bike you know um it's a child like they have another child um so maybe that would be kind of an example i'm guessing um share yourself another tool here that they say is share yourself in a vulnerable way slowly and again you can kind of take that for what it is now i will say i get the giggles a little bit on some of these next points and I don't know why I giggle. Um, I laugh a little bit here. So there's some points here. And then she had some questions to ask yourself. And again, I kind of giggle. And I think I'm actually a little nervous. Because this is where I really get... Um, I think this is where my relationships a lot of times really fail. 
Um, and that's probably why I'm giggling because it's like inside, I, I can feel the giggle coming. Um, so another tool, again, if you're an avoidant attachment style, if you avoid, um, and that's why your relationships don't work out. Here's another tool. Try acknowledging when you find it difficult to validate your partner. And again, I don't know why I want to giggle, but I'm going to read that again. Try acknowledging when you find it difficult to validate your partner. Um, I think that I've been bad at this. So, so for example, the person told me yesterday that they had a, a new baby. Um, they adopted a baby. A way to validate them would probably be to buy some baby clothes, buy a little burp bib or, you know, a blankie or a little toy or something. Um, you know, a little card or say congratulations and, um, you know, give them and their spouse a gift card to go out to eat, you know, to get a break from the little five month old baby. Um, so they can just go have alone time for a little bit and find a babysitter. Um, I'm not going to volunteer to babysit because I would not be good at that. Um, but you know, just validate your partner. Um, so that's just something, I mean, this, again, this isn't, this person is not my partner. This is just someone I know. Um, so this next one, I gotta say, I really get the giggles here. Um, this next one, another tool, if you're an avoider, um, be aware of shaming your partner for having too many emotions. <laughs> um, the reason I, I smile, I'm grimacing right now. Um, is I, I relate to this. I can feel this in me. Um, be aware of shaming your partner for having too many emotions. The first thing that comes to my mind is what is this an episode of full house? Like whenever I think of full house, I always think of like crying and hugging and, you know, like uncle Jesse hurt my feelings and it's just, you know, it's, it's very huggy, lovey, bubbly, all this stuff. Um, but I feel like the majority of people on planet Earth are this way. They're very, um, and maybe I'm this way. I'm just not, I just, I just don't feel like I'm this way. Um, but here I am doing a podcast about all my feelings and emotions and all my thoughts. But um, yeah, be aware of shaming your partner for having too many emotions. I feel like maybe when I've been with people, it's like an, an all day roller coaster. And I don't mean that they're, that they're dramatic. What I mean is it's a lot for me to process. Like it's a lot for me to know how to respond to them. And I think the reason I say that and why I giggle and I grimace is because the environment I grew up in, that didn't happen. Like I rarely, maybe two two or three times in my 40 year life maybe two or three times I saw my primary abuser and my enabler hug or kiss or show affection and I'm not exaggerating there is no discussion of man this really hurt my feeling and this that person hugs them or that person you know is there for them and they rest their head on their shoulder that does not happen so for me, it's almost like watching people acting. And that's why I say, is this an episode of Full House? Like, 
it's it's like it's it's foreign and I'm, I giggle or I grimace because it's like what do I do do I pat your head like it's you know it's just it's almost like I'm I sound dismissive um and normally in a situation like that what I do is I avoid I, ex- that's exactly what I would do I would shut down I wouldn't know what to say and then you know we might drive home or something and I don't say anything you know and they might be they might be thinking you know why are you neglecting me and I might be thinking well what do you want me to do like that would probably be my response what do you want me to do um because I don't know you have to tell me like what do you want me to do um like literally so the the avoiding thing that's what all that is um even me reading this and giggling or grimacing that's what that is and this is why like in the last episode I did I confused this with narcissism because that's what a narcissist would do but their intention I think would be different whereas my intention is I'm kind of clueless I'm like I don't know I don't know what what you want me to do um but I think a narcissist would be you know don't give them any attention when they're showing these emotions cuz then you got to deal with it all the time that's probably what a narcissist would be thinking oh you know you have to be the center of attention um so then the narcissist would run out and find a way to oh my god i just busted my knee now they need all the attention right like that's what i think would happen whereas me i would just be like quiet and then it would blow up 3 days later and i'd be like well why didn't you say anything like i i would need someone to just say it to me just tell me you know so that's where the avoidance is all at it's like maybe not knowing how to respond um i feel like i'm much better at that you know now that i know a lot more things than i did when i was 20 um but this is all hitting like the nail on the head all of this stuff these are again our tools if you struggle with avoidant attachment styles and it continuously ends your relationships um now another thing that gives me the giggles um i'm not going to read all the things she had here she had seven questions to ask yourself when um a situation has popped up and you want to avoid so one so i wrote down two and again i kind of i grimace and i giggle a little bit these are things that i would ask myself So one of them is in this moment when you're wanting to avoid or run away in this moment can I can I let some support from my partner come in So basically can I let my support my partner support come in at this moment So again to me that's too, that's like a lot to think about If I was literally in a situation where something's popped up and i'm wanting to avoid i'm just wanting to avoid I, i'm not thinking you know if my partner's being like trying to be supportive i might i would probably just say something like i don't want to talk about this right now or um let's just go watch a movie or i i don't know just something or i go in the other room um so that's a question to ask myself in this moment can i let support from my partner come in because it will help you resolve the situation. I feel like there needs to be a little bit more to this sentence here. 
you know, it almost it's like the sentence need to be needs to be finished because it will help resolve the situation. And that's kind of what I feel like is the problem a lot of the time is whenever I read questions like this, and this could be any kind of self-help thing, I feel like they don't finish the sentence. It's almost like, so if I'm reading this question in this moment, can I let support from my partner come in? I would say, why? Why is that important? You know, but here I'm providing the answer here. I'm providing the rest of the sentence because it will help you resolve this conflict sooner or it will help you find a solution sooner or it'll it'll lead you to a solution and you won't have to feel this way you know that's the finished sentence that's what people like me need we need the rest of the sentence there so we know why the hell we're doing it right and so for i think a normal someone who's coming from maybe a more functional upbringing they already know the answer to that and so i said this in the last episode or the episode before last, it's kind of like those reality shows like the bachelor, or if you watch like, you know, show, I watch a lot of shows on Bravo or so like below deck or whatever it may be. There's always a conflict and then they always have to go address it. And it almost makes you want to say like, well, why address it? They already told you how they feel. Um, but no, you need to actually sit down and resolve it. So that way you don't have to feel this way anymore. Same for like the bachelor bachelorette TV shows. It's that interpersonal dialogue. A lot of times I I'm very confused by it, but they're getting, they're getting very specific things out on the table so they can resolve. Is this the person for me or not? Um, but to me, it's almost like, why did they react that way? Or why did they respond that way? But that's not really the best show to put out there because half the people on that show go on there, just become famous. Um, and the last question here in relation to, um, again, tools and questions to ask yourself if you're wanting to avoid or if you're an avoider. So this last one, and again, I kind of get the giggles and I grimace a little bit. This question says, how do I hold rather than withdrawing and being silent. Okay. Excuse me. I read that wrong. Rather than withdrawing and being silent, how can I let my partner know what is going on for me? So there was originally more to that, a little bit more of that question. It was a little bit drawn out. So I scratched part of it, but rather than withdrawing and being silent, how can I let my partner know what is going on for me? Okay. Um, again, the very first thing that comes to my mind is why, why, you know, I need to, I need the rest of this written out. I need you to finish the sentence here. I'm talking to somebody I've never met. Um, but again, I'll read this question again. And I did take out part of this because it was just, it was filler. Um, in my opinion, um, it says, rather than withdrawing and being silent, how can I let my partner know what is going on for me? So if you're a voider and avoider, how can you not avoid? And how can you let your partner know what's going on for you? Um, and again, if this was me writing this question, I would finish the sentence a little more. And I would say, because the sooner you let your partner know what's going on for you, the sooner you'll feel better 
the better bond you'll have and the sooner you'll have a solution or you will have a solution. Um, you know, the sooner you'll get to that problem solving, right? Um, and so again, I can see why this is a symptom of complex PTSD avoidance behavior because that long-term problem solving critical thinking that I've talked about so much on this podcast that I think a lot of times we struggle with, like I struggled with my learning my learning skills when I was a kid and in high school and I got such bad grades and I acted out when I was little um, because that stress is just stressing out your brain all the time. You're not focusing right. So I think this goes in perfectly. So if you're just avoiding things, that's like getting bad grades in high school. It's kind of like, it's the same thing. If you're just walking out of the room, it's like, you know, doing all your homework wrong and not taking the time to figure out how to do your homework right or how to take better notes and getting to a solution faster and getting better grades and getting out of high school sooner and being done with college faster or whatever it is you want to do. This is like the same thing. You know, how do you let your partner know what's going on for you? Or on the other one, um, in this moment, can I let support from my partner come in? You know, it's, it's because, like finishing the sentences here, you're going to get to a solution faster that's why you want to do it. So like for me, just thinking why, like, why would I do that? Um, because you're going to get to a solution faster. And that's where that, that's what's missing. Um, in my opinion. So it's, it's the ability to sit and listen is 50% of this and also validating what your partner is thinking and feeling. And so again, I think a lot of that does come from that if you're growing up in a very traumatic, toxic household, you probably aren't seeing that. You're not seeing your primary abuser do that with anybody unless they're trying to get something out of them, maybe. Um, and then they're just pretending or acting. Um, but I don't want to go on too much longer. I want to keep this kind of at a certain endpoint. Otherwise, nothing's going to make very much sense here. But again, those tools there and those questions, um, I, I was just blown away. Because it's, it's so much of this is listening. And so like when I went on my Thanksgiving trip, I went into a very uncomfortable situation in two ways. One, I saw somebody who witnessed what I refer to as the event. I hadn't seen them since then. And I thought they were going to bring it up and they didn't. So I had the, the worst thought going through my mind and it didn't happen. It wasn't, nothing was brought up. Um, so I was making myself uncomfortable for no reason, but I didn't avoid them. I didn't avoid the situation. I went into it and realized everything's fine. And for the second part, I was around people who in a lot of different ways um, enabled abuse, but also um, experienced it with me. And, you know, you're in a confined situation. I'm not in my own home. And you don't know what's going to be brought up. And I had gone through um, some substance abuse issues in October. And I thought that that was going to be brought up. And it wasn't. And it was very relieving because I kept thinking, worst case scenario, I'm just going to feel bad about myself or embarrassed. And none of that was brought up. It was a break. It was like a little vacation. And so the point is, I didn't avoid it. I shared with them before that what had happened. And 
everything was fine. And they were actually very supportive back in October when I originally shared it. But I thought that some uncomfortable things were going to come up around Thanksgiving and they didn't. So it was, it was great. But if I had avoided it, I would still be thinking about all that. So again, you know, that's what, that's showing you the power of not avoiding things, which is what I normally do. Um, I would avoid. And I don't want to discombobulate or create blurry lines here and say, um, you know, go and chit chat with your abuser. That's not what I'm saying here. Um, I'm saying in particular situations, like if you're, you know, feeling uncomfortable in a dating situation, maybe sharing something that you'll think you'll be rejected about or something like that. Um, you know, just share it and, and see what happens. And if they reject it, that's their problem. Um, right. So again, I'm going to try to keep this in this here. So this is the complex PTSD guy signing off.